Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage of
soon enough to do the live feed. Um, but right now what we have is the YouTube stream. So I'm about to share it onto my public figure page, and then I'm going to have to leave it to you all um, to go from there and get it out there. Uh, Lisa's on her way. Uh, and I'm just posting it right now, so please put up with me. And it should be posted. Okay, so um, instead of the Facebook live stream feed, which we generally have going on, we have the YouTube stream, and we will uh, have the Facebook one, I guess, uh, soon enough. Let me share it one more time. I'll share it over to the public Facebook uh, Human Solution page. And that'll hit more people. And I'll put please share. Hopefully that'll be a clue. There we go. All right. So the moral of the story is it doesn't matter if the whole team's here. It doesn't matter if just one person shows up. What does matter is that no matter what, when you get the right group of people together, we can get stuff done. There's a best way to do things. There's a most effective way to do things. And there's lots of other ways to do things. It's been my experience in a lot of years of sitting in courtrooms that law enforcement really doesn't do a very good job, generally speaking. And they don't generally do that good of detective work. And they don't generally prepare that good of a case. But generally, we don't either, generally speaking. Occasionally, we have an attorney and a and a defendant that pair up really well together, and um, they put on a good defense. But of all the cases I've seen, which is a lot, federal cases, state cases, civil cases, um, family law cases, I've seen so many different cases, and the one thing they all had in common was the cannabis plant on some level. And I've very seldom been impressed to the point where I said, wow, that was a great whatever. I've heard some good opening statements and some good closing statements. Um, I've seen a few good cross-examinations and a few good uh, witness interviews and whatnot. But generally speaking, I'm sorry, most people bring their B game to court. And I can't help but think what it would be like if we brought our A game. I can't help but think what it would be like if this became the most important thing there was. And I, I say this a lot, and I offend people a lot with this, but you know who I'm not offending? The poor bastards that are locked up today right now in prison. I'm not pissing them off by, by being a little upset that we haven't finished the job. I'm not um, getting in their way. I'm not bothering them. I'm not taking their business away. 
I'm not ignoring them or not giving them glory or all the other reasons why people seem to have problems. I'm just saying things like they are. People ask me all the time, how are you doing today? And I half-jokingly say I'm above ground, breathing, currently out of custody. It's a good day. The part that I'm half-joking about is the above ground breathing because that's kind of a given. I'm talking to you. But the part that I'm not joking about is currently out of custody, and it's a good day. Because there have been many days in my life where I wasn't currently out of custody. I was currently in custody. And I know what it's like to be in custody. And I know what it's like to be in custody for a crime that shouldn't put you in custody. And that's the thing that originally got me to be fired up to be an activist. Even though I guess looking back on my life, I've been an activist all my life just for different things and in different ways. But this made it official when I started fighting for my freedom and looking for other people that were fighting for their freedom. And in California, 10 years ago when all this began for me, um, it was easy to find people that would fight. You know, once I started fighting, it seemed to be pretty easy. When people saw that you were willing to do it, they would step into the ring too. And when we were able to demonstrate, hey, we've got a team that will come out and support you and, and be there for you, it was, again, it was it was pretty easy to find people to, uh, to participate. I was new to social media at the time, and, and I don't know, maybe it was different. Maybe it was the same as it is today, but it didn't feel like it. I didn't have all the layers of hatred and grief and angst and, I don't know, wimps that just are so angry they, they, they'll only talk to you behind the veil of, of a computer screen. I didn't seem to have that at the time, and it developed later on, so maybe it was because I wasn't doing a good enough job in the beginning, and later on I, I started doing a good enough job that pissed off the people that it pissed off. But over this time, I've, I've watched and, and, and looked, and I've seen that, generally speaking, the people that are getting something done have the most to gain or lose from it. So looking at that, if you look at the laws that have been passed, they generally benefit a few people. Those are the people willing to put the effort into it because they're putting their millions or billions into it, and they, they want to hedge their bets. So the laws that have passed have been very limited and, and very um, opening doors for certain people, but certainly protecting their interests, as it's historically been. In America and any, any part of the free world, the people that have something to gain and that have something to lose generally hedge their bets, and they put their resources, whether it's time, treasure, talent, whatever you want to call it, towards something that benefits them more. And if you look at the history, our, our history and the history of the world, you'll see that that's generally the way it is. In the ancient times, the leaders would ride into battle with their armies, and they would actually lead their armies. 
They would be the first ones with their swords drawn and, and they would engage the enemy, whatever that enemy was, whomever that enemy was, with their own blood at stake. And I think that's a little different than it is today because the leaders of the free world, they are the leaders of the third world. None of them are in battle anymore. Most of the wars today are fought over business and land and and, and things other than a moral fight. We don't have despots trying to take over the world as they have in the past. And I think about that, and I think about why do we not get upset enough to do something? There was a time, I'm studying a period of our history right now between, I don't know, the 1890s, and World War II. And that period of time was a was a very tumultuous time for in American history. And at one point the women's suffragists movement movement got going. And the women's labor movement. And it was all kind of at the same time. And the women historically have been um persecuted more than probably any other group ever. More than any race or color or or creed or ethnicity or whatever, women have, have been persecuted more. And it's probably because they're smaller and easier to beat up, I would imagine. Um, but for whatever reason, in in the history of the world, there have been a few strong women leaders, but not a lot. And up until, you know, really the last century, and even all the way up until today, women struggle to be treated as the same as, as men. And I'm not necessarily advocating for anything. I'm just pointing out that through all of this time, women were led strikes. They marched in the streets to the point where they got what they wanted. And they wouldn't give up or stop until they got what they wanted. And I think that that's something that I, I I keep comparing the efforts of yesterday to the efforts of today. And there was a time when the, the labor unions were organizing and the, the large corporations at the time, the Rockefellers and the, you know, the big evil empire, they were taking clear advantage of the, of the labor force. And uh, at one point, the labor force stood up and said, um, you know, we're going to just stop until you treat us a little better. And at the time, these corporations were so powerful that they actually leaned on the federal government. And the federal government brought in the National Guard. And there was a story about, I think it's called the Ludlow Massacre, and it was a mining uh, operation that the miners went on strike, and they were basically kicked out of their mining town, and so they went up in the hills in this, uh, you know, their little tent. They created a tent city. And the National Guard came in, and the, the miners thought, they're here to protect us. And instead, they opened up their Gatling guns on them and killed them. And they burned their tents down, and at one point, 
um, through all the rubble, one of the people came through and they pulled back a, you know, a, a steel cover over a hole, and there was, I think it was 11 or 12 twisted, burnt bodies of children and women. And that's how this activity got got named a massacre, and, and it, it inspired more people to stand up and fight. And over time, they they actually got some victories, and 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 then, you know, then World War One happened, and all of a sudden the business was booming again. But it turned out people didn't want to go fight World War One, and uh, Congress passed a a law that made it to where you were given to the draft. And it benefited industry, and it it benefited the economy, but killed a lot of guys that probably wouldn't have gone and wouldn't wouldn't have died. And it would have changed the world, and at the end of the day, I think that, you know, we were right to enter into World War I, and I think that, you know, the world is a better place today because we were there. But it was a horrible, horrible, horrible piece of of world history. And I think when I look at all these actions where thousands, tens of thousands, millions of people were engaged, and then I think about where we're at today, and everybody's not looking for work too much. You know, the economy's doing pretty good. We've passed these laws call them laws because that's what they are. Um, And there just doesn't seem to be any fight in anybody. And so instead of trying to, you know, rally the people and go into the big events, you know, I've passed on all participating in all the big events in the last year, actually the last couple of years. and I've been invited uh, to speak at some of these events, but what I found over the years is that instead of them being a forum where people gathered together to um, ally themselves with allies, with comrades, with, with warriors, uh, to further a cause, it turned into more or less a big party and people were celebrating their victories. And meanwhile, we have people that are still locked up, still getting raided, still getting uh, property seized, still losing children, uh, still unable to give their children medicine that would save them if it was quote-unquote legal. And so I backed off of those events. And, you know, some some laud my uh, decision and some uh, criticized me. I don't give a damn one way or the other. I'm doing what I think is best for myself, the organization, and the people that are are of a same mindset. And the mindset that I have is that we deserve freedom. There is nothing inherent about this plant or any substance or any plant. And I mean not the opium plant and not the tobacco plant and not the not the mushroom plant and not any of the coca plant. I don't give a damn. There isn't a single plant on this planet that we shouldn't have the ability to grow and utilize as we see fit. 
as long as it doesn't infringe on anybody else's rights. And it bothers me deeply that there are factions of this movement, and I always put giant quotes around movement because I don't think we're moving very fast or very far, or certainly not fast or far enough for my needs. And I decided at one point a couple of years back that I'd rather focus my attention towards building a good team than outreaching to the world as we've done in the past. Now, this show is probably the exception to that, and um, I'm really grateful to be able to be doing this show, and I, I, I got the idea for this show when the human solution was undergoing some of its darkest time, and we had another show going around, and, and we had people involved that are no longer involved, and I just thought to myself, what we need is something that exemplifies freedom, and just a yahoo with a ribbon on and a lot of words in his mouth talking about freedom, that's a good place to start, and I thought to myself, there's there's it could go anywhere. We could bring on any guests. We could talk about anything we wanted. We wouldn't be tied to anything. I think it's been pretty successful thus far. And giving this forum to prisoners, if they so chose to call in and participate, I think that that was another thing that at one point we had a lot of prisoners that called in. Um, but some got in trouble for doing it. And so we have Craig net calls regularly and a handful of others. Um, I think that this show is something that I think is, is, is a forum that can reach anybody. Last, last week we reached, I don't know, about 7,000 people. And I know in the real world that's a very small number, but in my world that's a big number. And I think to myself, what if, 10% of those 7,000 people were inspired to take some kind of action. That would be 700 people that we could actually have working and doing something rather than what goes on. So today I want to talk about the human solution and our focus on action. And I want to talk about um, the things that we're doing and I want to talk about, you know, what, what makes us act and what makes us not act. You know, I've been doing a lot of reading about a lot of things, and, and I, I write down a little bit of notes. And there was a tribe, and I don't remember where it was. I think it was in South America. might have been Africa. And historically, they were found to die off early. They, they just didn't. That tribe had a very uh, short lifespan. And it was, it was discovered at one point that they were dying because of an insect that lived inside their adobe walls of their huts. And they identified the problem. You guys are dying early because of these bugs that are living with you and causing you harm, whether they're poisoning them or biting them. I don't know what it was, but these insects were the cause. And they were faced with several choices. And one of the choices was they could apply some kind of poison and, and you know eradicate these insects in their standing huts as they were. And a second way was they could tear the huts down and build a new hut. And then a third choice they had, obviously, was they could move, start over somewhere else. And finally, they could choose to just stay the course. Don't change anything. 
What do you think they did? This tribe decided to do nothing. They determined that it's been this way. We're happy with our lives the way they are. We're just going to continue. And they continued. I don't know where they're at today, but this was an anecdote that came up in uh, a story I was reading about how to be better, how to do things better. You know, there's a there's a saying, don't sweat the small stuff. And I, and I heartily applaud that saying because I think, frankly, too many people get upset about too many little things. I think deep down inside, getting upset about little things is cored in our unwillingness or, or lack of desire to make change. Because you know what? It takes an effort. Deep down inside, I think, generally, people are generally pretty lazy. And they do as much as they have to, and not much more, for the most part. And again, it's a broad brush I'm painting with. But I think that my experience has been people will come up with any reason to get upset, upset to the point where they're not going to work with that person and they're not going to do it. I can't work with that person because they said this thing or they did that thing. And I think that possibly if we didn't sweat some of that small stuff, it might be helpful. But by the other side of that coin, I don't know, for the last 10 years working with the so-called activists in the world, I don't know how much of a lackluster uh, effort I've, I, I, could, I could paint a better picture of. I've dealt with people that show up late for everything. Uh, they do the least amount of possible effort. Uh, they forget everything. They're not effective in their speech because of being so angry about one thing or they're just in such a it's so important that they're not like everybody else that they just go and piss all over themselves. Or that they don't care if they say the thing that offends everybody, so they offend everybody so much that they're, they lose interest. I have seen such a lack of professionalism showing up late. Everybody shows up late for everything. I can't even get my own A-team to show up on time to our conference calls regularly, except for a couple of us. And I think that maybe we could start there. The A-team that I'm looking for wants to be where they're at, wants to be part of this history-changing event that we're doing. This organization, the Human Solution International, was born from a need to gather support together. And it's what we do, and it's what we've done, and it's born of a need to educate, to teach people about this plant, and to teach people about working together, teach people about how to make positive change, to learn from the lessons of history and, and, and repeat the good ones and avoid the bad ones. And part of this is learning to be effective. And courtrooms are a great school for that, because in court, you've got to follow their rules. And they're not your rules, and you don't get to make your rules because it's in court. So if you show up late and you're a defendant, judge can go, bench warrant, 
they can haul your ass in jail. Yeah, I know. You have to, we have to adapt, everybody. I know everybody's used to Lisa's Facebook page, but Lisa's not here. I'm here. So we're on YouTube now. Lisa's here now. So at one point, we'll be up on Lisa's page. But the the point is, we got to be willing to adapt. This thing's been shared on my public page. It's been shared on the Human Solution page. And you guys can share it from there. Just as easy. Please do. We've got a whole team of people that are supposed to be sharing this right now. Bobby Rodrigo, I hope you're part, part of this, and I hope you're doing it. But at the end of the day, it takes this team to make this happen. If I'm sitting here point, touching the, the buttons and sharing this, I'll put on the worst show ever. And I'm not saying my show's that great, but it is what it is. And if you want it to be this way, i got to be able to do it. i got to be able to look and talk and, and, and participate this way. So, again, what I'm looking for is, is, is to raise the game just a little bit. And, and Becca's putting up a really good point. We're trying to shift to YouTube anyways instead of Facebook. Facebook is such a toxic place. And, you know, I try so hard to engage people in a, in a positive way on Facebook. And, you know, it just ends up with the same, same stuff. You know, people just making their little points and not really engaging. And, you know... Um, I got this new fancy camera that's going to have a better microphone, and we're going to be able to stream it. But, again, we'll be streaming it on Facebook, too. Uh, but I'm trying to shift our attention away from Facebook and to YouTube and our website. Now, why would I want to do that? Well, our website, we control all the content of it. And our content actually has to do with our mission. Our mission of working together, our mission of engaging other organizations, our mission of actually trying to end prohibition altogether. It's, you know, you go to Facebook, my God, there's everything there. And, and everybody's singing the blues about how sad and sick and tired and, 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 and forlorn they are. And I'm sorry, I, I didn't cause that and I don't. I don't want that to happen, and I want everything to be better, and I'm trying to make it better. But at the end of the day, wallowing in a pity hole is, I just, I watched it for 10 years, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. It seems to be getting worse. So I pulled away from it, and here we are uh, doing this different thing and hopefully a better way. Here's Craig Cecil currently serving life in prison for pot. And... He knows very well that prohibition's not over. And in radar, a federal prison. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hang up to the... Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, Joe. Well, here we are in uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. I'll tell you, I'm sitting next to a broken window right now, and it's 20 degrees outside. Oh, so I, yeah. I, think I have a whole different sensation than you do. <laughs> yes, you do. I, I think um, we're, we're getting down into the 40s, a little bit maybe into the 30s in, in, on the coldest nights, but, my God, I couldn't even imagine that. And, of course, I, I, I have windows in my house that aren't broken, so I, I, I suppose that mm-hmm. that's not uh, – that, that's okay. it's a – it's a total, you know, it's an experience people just can't understand. Um, you know, Craig, we're sitting here talking about uh, 
ended prohibition and, and ended it once and for all. And, you know, in California, today is the day where all of the dispensaries and cannabis uh, collectives that didn't go and pay their thousands and millions of dollars are now officially illegal and officially uh, the government's coming after them harder than they ever would have before because we passed a law that allowed some things to exist. It's kind of crazy. Today, there's they said that there was uh, less sales of cannabis in California in 2018 than there was in 2017. And it's only because of, you know, the, the uber-restrictive laws and the taxes that they've come up with the black market's just reigning supreme. That, that, that sounds insane. Uh, and now I look at uh, Oklahoma, probably the most uh, <laughs> conservative state in the country, and they just opened it up and said, you know, everybody, you know, go ahead and sell marijuana. You know, make it safe. You know. Let's call it from a federal prison. And, and they were the easiest state to get the uh you know, recreational marijuana up and running six months after their, their legislation, you know, they, it passed in the election. You know, I never would have thought, you know, it was a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, I was in Oklahoma with one of the defendants we were supporting, a guy by the name of Chris Lewandowski. He's a Marine who was facing, I don't know, I think he was facing 30 years or something. It was a ridiculous thing, right? And we went out there and we were rallying support and we were, um, you know, setting up, uh, uh, working with a bunch of different veterans organizations. He ended up taking a plea deal that was a good, sweet deal, and he ended up not having to do any time, and basically he got to go back to California and, and just stay away from Oklahoma. But at that time, it was so oppressive that I think he had, like, I don't know, four just weak-ass plants that couldn't have yielded, you know, an ounce. And he was facing, I believe it was over 30 years um, for that simple cultivation case. And now I'm talking to people and businesses that are setting up in Oklahoma right now today, and, oh my God, I never would have imagined. I think they have probably the best set of laws of all of them thus far. It's crazy. Well, maybe that comes from the conservative uh, ideology where they listen to the people. They actually follow what the people want. I mean, that's... It just doesn't happen often enough. You got you got to watch out. There's a lot of um, a lot of very liberal-minded people uh, that that are part of this movement, and it's it, it's I think it's hilarious because I'm not a politically-minded person at all. I think I think both sides of the political spectrum suck balls. But at the end of the day, um, I, I I think to the core of the fundamentals of of both sides. And I think that, you know, the 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 progressive with giant quotes on it, uh, the people that, you know, the giant Trump haters and all of that, which, whatever, I hate all the presidents. You know, there hasn't been any good ones in a long time, in my opinion. But the point is, if you look at the oppressive, progressive uh, uh, party lines, they want to regulate the hell out of everything. They want the government to tell you, how, what you can and can't do, and yeah, you're, the government will give you stuff, but they'll tell you how to use it, and they'll tell you what you can have, and they'll tell you what you can't have. And I, I guess I'm more of a libertarian when it comes down to it. I say, just give me some liberty. <laughs> Back the hell off, Jack. Yeah, 
know, there were a, do- a dozen murderers that had been um, pardoned and, and given clemency, and this guy, who is a nonviolent drug offender, um, is is left to serve his sentence, and uh, it's just ridiculous. Well, the, the Michigan's a good place for him, actually, uh, based on their their history, because a few years ago, Michigan used to have what was called the 650 law. If somebody got convicted of more than 650 grams of virtually any powder drug, crack cocaine, heroin, any of them, it was a mandatory minimum life sentence. When the state over, you know, changed that law where it was no longer mandatory life, the governor, whoever the governor was at that time, pardoned, uh, you know, a large amount of the people that were in prison on those life sentences. Well, just in the last week, the uh, governor's college from a silent prison. The governor of Washington uh, pardoned a whole bunch of people with, you know, old misdemeanor marijuana convictions, I believe some minor felony convictions, you know, that live up in Washington State, you know, just so they could go along with a a clean record and get these old convictions off. And I've heard that the uh, governor of Michigan, who's a, a new governor just took office up there, and I forgot what her name is, but she said she's leaning towards doing the same thing, so... I, you know, it, it, he may be in luck, especially a, a sentence that, you know, certainly looks uh, silly, a state sentence in a state where his conduct is legal. I mean, it's, it, it certainly looks ridiculous and certainly should be able to get the ear of the governor. Well, the good news is, I mean, the governor, the bad news is this governor declined his his pardon, but the good news is is this, this governor is um, – the new governor is either just taking office or he's about to take office, and we're going to begin a campaign, a letter-writing campaign on his behalf, um, you know, starting right away. Um, and also I want you to know that today, um, after the show, I'm actually having a, a headquarters chapter meeting here, um, and we're going to be all printing and sending off the letters on your cause, all the members of my chapter that attend this meeting. Well, thank you. Thank you. Because that, that certainly has to make a difference, especially to the Trump administration, who loves populist-type, you know, uh, for populist matters, you know, matters that, you know, he'd be able to get up in, in, you know, in front of a lectern and say, you know, look what I did and look what you people asked for and look what I did. So thank you. That 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 was certainly. Well, we're we're going to do more than that. We're we're actually going to videotape and do a live stream of our actions doing it, so that we're going to show, and then that's going to get published on the website, so people can actually see how easy it is to do this. Because we have it on the website where you can literally copy and paste it, print it on your own on your own um, document change the letter to suit your needs so that you can add your own flavor to it. And we're, we're literally going to uh, videotape the whole process of how easy it is, and I'm actually offering incentives to people that are doing it, and I'm going to offer a deeper incentive to somebody who can show me a response that they got from their elected official. So I'm, I'm going at it with bribes. Got to do what we got to do. Thank you, thank you, Kazan. Like I say, that that makes a whole difference. Our, our politicians don't listen to us as often as we'd like, 
But, uh, I mean, Oklahoma is showing something to everybody when they actually listen to their electorate. And like you say, they, it sounds like they have one of the best marijuana systems in the country. Blows me away. Blows me away. I think it's still legal to 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 rape a cow in Oklahoma, but, uh, you know, they wouldn't let you have a – they wouldn't let you have four plants. But now today, I don't know, maybe they're going to end the cow raping too on top of it all. But – at the end of the day, I mean, you know, again, like you said, it's an actual, it's actually a conservative mindset of just, you know, give the power to the people. It's not something that needs to be legislated and regulated. Um, that's not the answer to it. And maybe the people have more power in a place like that because it's a smaller place. I don't think there's so much big business in Oklahoma as there are in so many other places. So. Maybe the lobby's weaker. Um, you know, I don't know all the history behind it, but I just know that um, it seemed to be a much more populist-minded legislation that they got going on. Hopefully uh, your listeners can get that to catch on at the federal level. <laughs> well, that's we're, we're going to keep going until we get it, Craig. As I said before, you and I are going fishing, and that's going to happen uh Sooner than later, we're going to just keep pounding away. I'm building an A-team right now. I'm building a team of people that are willing to get up. We're just launching a new chapter in Florida, and I got another another chapter up out of the south um, that's getting that, that applied. They want to get started, too. So <coughs> we're growing again. There's your second beep. I'm going to get turn it over to you. Okay. Well, I just want to say thank you to everybody that takes enough interest in, you know, what our society is doing and, you know, and in my situation to be listening right now and to be, you know, interested in helping and, you know, hopefully helping both me and the uh, uh, decriminalization movement. Uh, but thank you for helping. Thank well, there's Craig Cecil once again, folks. And Craig is serving a life sentence right now. Life sentence. Can you even put your head around that? Can you even think what it would be like to wake up one day behind bars and know that you're not getting out unless somebody does something drastic? You know, in federal prison, it's life without the possibility of parole for any for any charges. It's not just for murder, violent charges. It's That's how it is. We passed a law. <laughs> yeah, there we go, another law. Good job, folks. We passed a law that said in federal prison, if you have a life sentence, you don't have the opportunity to get parole. It's just how it is. And Sarah and Mike, I'd love it if you guys could call in and tell us about what you guys do. We're talking today about focusing on action, taking some action. And Mike and Sarah right now are in uh, Kansas, and they just got back from the Capitol where they had a um, – they just did a, oh, what do they call it, a public forum, 2019 Legislative Public Forum at uh, Sedgwick County, um, I, I'm assuming it was the Capitol building, and um, these guys are amazing. They're a young couple, and they're the courthouse. I know the Sedgwick County Courthouse. That's where we were at for uh, Kyler Carriker's case. I've spent... Oh, that was Wichita. You're right. You're absolutely right. 
Got it. Well, anyways, close closer than I would ever want to be. <laughs> anyways, Sarah and Mike have been working with uh, an organization that I deeply respect called Bleeding Kansas, and uh, Melissa Ragsdale and um, Lisa Sublett are uh, allies in our cause, and, and uh, they've been working uh, hard to change the legislation uh, the legislature in Kansas, and, and they've worked on um, a couple of different bills, and I know Lisa has spent just countless, countless days and hours uh, participating and lobbying and just doing everything she could to um, to make a difference out there. And uh, the last session uh, shut down before they got what they wanted, and now they're back at it again. And... Um, Sarah and Mike came aboard the Human Solution, working in another business venture that I'm that I'm working on. And all of a sudden, you know, we started talking about what they were doing with the uh, lobby work. And I said, you know, boy, it'd be nice to get our Kansas chapter lit up again. You know, at one time we had two chapters in Kansas, and um, all of a sudden they stepped up. And um, it's 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 amazing what a couple of people can can do to make such a difference. Uh, so Mike's on the line, and he's going to tell us about what was going on. But um, we've got Pete Yapel up first. And then after Pete, I'm going to read this letter from Michael Thompson. And I, I got into some of it. But, you know, this is a really disturbing story. Michael Thompson is an amazing individual, and um, he's a community leader. He's worked with children. He's worked with the gang-stricken uh, neighborhoods. He's He's... Uh, worked really hard to um, um, promote musical ventures. I believe he worked with Aretha Franklin at one time. Just a, a really, just a strong, uh, good person. Received all kinds of awards and um, happens to be a black man on top of it all. And in Michigan, sometimes that's not a good thing, especially if you get picked on in a pot case where he had already had a previous pot case, and next thing you know, they're stacked the charges to him, and next thing you know, um, you know, he's serving more than 30 years in prison. He's in his 60s already. It's, 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 it's a death sentence. And we had all the hope. We had the highest hope. We had a, a state senator that we were working with, and we, we had the governor that was, mired in the whole Flint uh, water debacle, and we just figured it would be the perfect thing. This guy's the perfect um, the model representation of what you need to do in a, in a depressed, horror, you know, uh, poverty-stricken area. And, and Michael even put together a program that he was going to tour around and promote um, against violence. And he, he created this program called Standing in Defense Against Violence. And he was going to go around doing musical tours and speeches. And, you know, and he was going to go around and, and rally support against gang violence. And that was part of what he planned to do. And I was planning on helping him. And I still am once he gets out. But apparently that went against him as well. They didn't like, you know, coming out and doing anything. They just want you to, if you get out, they just want you to shut up and be good. Um, you know, folks get so disturbed by these stories and by these 
cases. They're real people, real families, real lives, real children. We get stories all the time of children that, um, you know, riddled with seizures, and the cannabis would help them. We get cancer patients that would, you know, potentially be saved by cannabis oil, and they have to risk their lives. I had a guy come over from Japan, all the way over from Japan to get a, a cannabis oil treatment because illegal over there, and he was afraid to smuggle it back, and so he was able to do what he could do, and 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 hopefully, you know, it was it was enough over a long enough period of time to make a difference. But it blows me away that that these things are still happening, and I know I'm kind of rambling today, but it's. The core of the message of today is we need to focus on making change. And I'm bringing up all these different points in the hopes that you guys, somebody that's not already fired up and not already motivated and not already willing to do what it takes, says, whoa, I didn't get that. I, I, I didn't realize that all these things were still happening. I thought it was legal. I thought we were done. I thought everything was cool. And the truth is, We've got a long way to go. In California, we got a long way to go. There's going to be a waves of raids coming through California after today because the deadline has expired. Now, if you don't have a, a piece of paper saying you're legal, you're a criminal. That's what our legalization did is it created a whole other generation of, so I'm looking for a few people willing to dig in and do what it takes and get people, get engaged. You know, have a little fire in your belly. Maybe reach out and grab a member. Maybe grow your own little team. Because this is a grassroots organization. This is an organization that can light up wherever you are. Wherever you are, wherever I've gone in my life, I've gathered people around. It didn't matter where I lived or what I was doing. You gather people around and you say, hey, let's make a difference. Let's make the world better, whatever it is. Let's go clean the canyon today, or let's go take care of some people that need taken care of. Let's go paint that guy's house that needed it. All the different things we've done over the years under all the different beds, same thing. It's all the human solution. And that's what I'm looking for. And if you're listening right now and something's resonating, go to our website, thsintl.org, and just click on it and say, yeah, I want to help. I want to help. Today after the show, we're going to run another live feed, and you get to see how easy it is. We're doing a simple little meeting. It doesn't take a big old production. It doesn't even matter if one or two people show up. Who cares? Doing something is doing something. You get it? Doing something is different than not doing something. And tapping away and sharing on Facebook, yeah, that's cool. But actually doing something, actually doing something, now that's what we're looking for. All right, I got Pete Yapel on the phone, and Pete Yapel's an amazing guy. I met Pete Yapel, you know, one of the few good things that came out of the UCCA, and I don't mean to disparage the UCCA. I actually thought that was an amazing thing. That came out of Kansas, came out of an amazing woman who was fired up at the time and raring to go, and she got it. She got it at the time. Her son had just been delivered out of the Belly of the beast. 
was not going to prison for life because of what we did. And she said to me, you know what? We need to get all these people together and get all these groups to work together. We need to do that. I said, yes, let's do it. And we did. And we created this coalition, the UCCA. I can remember, this is three years ago now. Hard to believe it's been that long. But three years ago today we were working on it. We were, we were, we had conference calls with 40, 50, 80 people on I think one time. And we were working together and we came up with a, a name and we came up with a mission statement and we came up with a website and we came up with a Facebook group and that's it. One by one everybody just faded away and I was going through a lot of shit at the time, still dealing with, you know, recovering my life, trying to put my life back together, I didn't have enough energy to keep holding it together. And one of the people that did stand up and were was fighting his own personal battles was this guy, Pete Yapel. And I think he was down in Florida at the time, maybe in New York, I don't remember where he was at, but he was... Um, he was putting together some uh, a project. It was uh, some kind of a big event, and uh, we were talking about that. And then he traveled west. I lost track of him for a little while, and then came back together, and 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 we started working together. And um, his better half, Helen, is also an amazing individual. And that's one of the things that I noticed uh, that this year uh, or this last couple of years, uh, we brought in a lot of couples. And it's really powerful when teams of people get together. So we've got, you know, Scott and Nikki in Central Valley, and we've got Tom and Donna, and hopefully Tom comes back on, and hopefully Donna's doing a little better. But And we got Pete and Helen in New York, and we got uh, Glenn and Peggy in Ohio. You know, we've got these teams of people uh, working together now. And we got Mike and Sarah in Kansas, and, and it's, it's we never had um, – We've never had this many couples working together ever. In fact, in the past, it was almost always I was with my wife and everybody else was a solo for the most part. Our past vice presidents have all been, you know, either either single or, or uh, one of them husband wouldn't have anything to do with the activism. You know, there were always, always a competition between that or something else. And now today... I think we're so much a stronger organization because of that. That's one of the one of the many reasons. Anyways, Pete Yapel um, just set up our first office in New York, and uh, I actually have an office that I can sit at and work at a desk while, when I get out there. And hopefully, uh, within the next month or so, I will be out on the East Coast for a little while. Pete, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Pete Yapel. I don't know. Don't think he's there. All right. Well, somebody can get a hold of Pete, tell him to call back in. Um, we didn't have a, a good line or whatever. All right. So now we got Mike, and uh, Mike was just speaking in front of Kansas and uh, in front of the legislature at the courthouse. And once again, I'm excited. These guys are, are, are young and motivated and fearless, and that's, that's the key to this whole thing. Just get out there and get her done. Mike, tell us what happened. How are you doing today? 
Right. 
is they go in talking about full recreational and they go in and they look like just your classic biker druggie with BO. You have to have an appearance by yourself. You have to go in and talk to them in a professional capacity or they're never going to listen to you. They're going to shut you down right from the get-go. Well, and that's what we've been talking about this whole, you know, this whole year so far is, is we're focusing on action and we're focusing on being effective. And yes. uh, it's, it's, it's one thing to say, yeah, you're free to look any way you want to look and talk any way you want to talk. And, you know, that's why I do a podcast so I can say fuck if I want to. But at the end of the day, right. to be effective, you have to be able to get their attention, and they have to take you seriously. And if they don't well, take the you seriously... Is, yeah, you have to be in a position to educate them. And if you're not in a position exactly. to educate them by and everything, then they're not even going to listen to you. Exactly. And that's the point, is they have to take you seriously enough to listen. You know, and that's the hardest part about communicating. You got, that's why I hate, I hate public... or. Uh, social networking, because everybody's busy talking and nobody's busy listening. And, you know, you get in a room with somebody and you sit there and you have a conversation and you can look in their eyes. That's why I do this live feed, because I can look in your eyes. I can't see you, but you can see me, and you know it's real. You know, it's not just, I'm not sitting back, you know, drinking a martini naked with my feet up on the bench. I'm actually here engaging you, because it's important. I mean, I don't want to create that... That that visual, but at the end of the day, though, I mean, you know, it, 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 sorry for all you. I don't mean to scare you, but at the end of the day, though, it's real, a real thing. <laughs> Watch it, lady. <laughs> Mike is requesting a martini glass in the next show. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I should have my cup of Joe coffee, so maybe I'll drink my coffee out of a martini glass and really mess with you. There you go. You can put a button there. It all better. There you go. Exactly. I love it. So, anyways, <laughs> I guess the point is, is you know, it's it's really heartening to me. It makes me feel good just inside and out that you guys are out there. You saw that there was a, a forum to get out there and talk to, and you're engaging these people. And that's that's the key to it, you know. It's, these are human issues. These are civil rights issues. These are basic human rights issues that says, look it, you know how many people, how many children, you know, people are always talking about, what about the children? And I say, yeah, what about the children? Number one, no child has ever died because of this plant. And number two, many children would be benefited. You know, have you ever had a seizure? Do you know what it's like to go through a seizure? And I haven't, thank God, but I know a lot of people that have. And it's the most devastating, violent act that goes on inside your own brain. And your wires well, and get all hurts. crossed. It's and painful. It hurts. And, it, and, it, and it, it takes the life out of you for hours or days after it's over. And I have watched yes. people go through them and I've dealt with them. And you know what can help seizures so much, so easily and so quickly? Cannabis. I used to have a chihuahua that exactly. would get seizures. And she was this yep. teeniest little thing. She'd fit in your hands. Right, and her name was Bambi, the teeniest little dog. And every once in a while, she'd just start, and I could light up a joint, and I could put my hands over her face and blow it in her face. And I'm not kidding you. Within 10 seconds, she would stop seizing, she would relax, yep. she'd go to sleep, and she'd be beat up from it, and it would, 
she'd take the wind out of her sails for a little while, but it would stop almost instantly. And that's just yeah, the regular have, like, old secondhand yeah, smoke. Yeah, I do the same thing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Not to mention, though, you know, baby Autumn, who is like the face of the Kansas Safe Access Act, you know, has been in Colorado now for, I want to say, 90-something days. And she has been going through her, her cannabis treatment, and she has been, had one breakthrough seizure that they were able to get stopped within three minutes versus where here they would have taken her to the hospital, they would have put her on volume. I mean, the doctors here wanted to remove a part of this baby's fucking brain. Give me a break. I know. It's 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 you know it. If people could just get it, you know. Unfortunately, like I say on social media, it's so inundated with you know help me this, help me there, and all this and that, raising money and all these things. And I'm not saying that they're not legitimate. I'm just saying that people get saturated and they don't they don't plug into the reality of it. I don't think the way that they could and should, because they're not oh, right there. You know, we get callous to so many tragedies that happen. I mean, look at the news. It's just one horror story after another, and people are like, oh, yeah, another shooting at a bowling alley. Only four people got killed. That's cool. You know, it's just like horrible. You know, we, we've become callous. But the truth is when you get to meet these people and you spend a little bit of time with them and you actually see these babies and you actually, the worst thing is is you're there when something bad happens. It, right. it, it changes you. It changes you. Yeah, and, it definitely and, does. But that's also where my path comes into play because I have a lot of history in, in healthcare because I've done CNA work for many years, like 12 years, you know what I mean? So that that right. helps a lot there too. But, um, yeah, and our, our our little guy that we're running ours on is doing well. He's about to start on his second, so. Well, I, I, I am very grateful for the work you guys are doing and uh, – what I've seen so far, it seems like you guys are, are striving to be effective and you're not worried about what people say or think about you, and which is important, hugely important. And 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 I just, you know, you have our complete support. Um, you know, I, I, I can't hate to say it, but I I feel it in my belly. I think I'm going to probably be you a guest. This year. I, can just, I can just feel it in my belly. I, I think we're going to end up probably having another chihuahua in the house at one point. We're going to get a chihuahua. <laughs> I have made that my life goal is to get your wife a chihuahua. <laughs> well, there you go. So I, I'm, I'm very grateful for what you guys are doing, and you're demonstrating what we're trying to show, um, you know, the audience and the, and the Human Solution members is, is how easy it is to participate and that it makes a difference. Being a part and of this organization. Does, so, awesome. And that's All right, well, I'm you guys. Because right she has kind of taken me under her reins over the last year before I found you and had already shown me the ways to the politicians and all of that stuff. You know what I mean? So this is all kind of second nature to me now. So I'm welcoming Michael aboard this year. <laughs> well, Michael, I'm, 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 uh, I'm glad you're here. And, uh, you know, we're just uh, – we're, we're growing quickly because of it. So um, I understand you guys are putting together a, a meeting. Have you guys put that up yet? Yeah, we had that meeting. Oh, you guys already had it. How'd it go? It went well. We had it on Sunday. Um, we had Chris call in because he, you know, obviously we're not going to make him drive three hours to come to our first meeting when we don't really know exactly what we're doing, but we're starting, and that's what it, what, what counts. 
Um, but and Anne came well, down, of course, and uh, we tried to call you, yeah. but you didn't answer your phone, so we figured you were busy. Oh, shoot. I know when you called me, too. I was knee-deep in a bunch of stuff. I couldn't have possibly picked it up. I, I know exactly well, when you called. Damn it. Yeah, that's all right. We kind of figured it out on our own, but we'll definitely include you in the next one for sure, just so you can kind of see what's going on there. Well, and you know, again, it's, it's there's not a there's not a cookie cutter of what you have to do or not do. And hell, you might come up with something we hadn't thought of, and that's that's half of it. It's just getting out there and, and moving, getting the wheels turning, and getting used to working together with people, and getting used to thinking and planning and 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 coming up with. What what can we do next? What should we do next? That's that's really yeah, that's, what it's that's all about. Kind of so we kind of set some assignments. So Chris is going to work on, of course, he's going to work on a few things with Bleeding Kansas and his um, legislation and trying to get them to switch from a no to a yes. And then he's going to work on um, gathering some growth from, from the chapter out there in his area. And he also is going to talk about getting a few members together so he can have meetings out of his area as well. So we came up with some good ideas. It, it, like I said, it was a very baseline, basic. But I believe that if you build a That's, strong foundation, then it's easier to build. Exactly. And, you know, when it all comes down to it, um, you know, it's, it's it's about building community, and there's no right and wrong way to do it. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you guys. All right. Well, I appreciate everything, and um, I look forward to hearing the next, the next chapter. Yep. Have a good night, Joe. Good night, Joe. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. So we got Michael and Sarah from Kansas, and and uh, looks like Pete's back. So um, I want to tell you guys before I bring Pete on again, uh, or attempt to bring Pete on again. Hopefully he'll be here this time. Is um, I got a guest coming on the show today, and he's um, a Southern Cheyenne medicine man. And I've told you guys about him, um, that we've worked with um, with him not that long ago. Um, and he's with a church called the Light of the Blue Deer Church of the Americas. And one of the things that we're working at doing is building alliances. And at one point, we um, this year, or the end of last year, we opened up our mission to include uh, civil rights issues of Native American peoples. And it's funny because they call themselves Indians. We call them Native Americans, but whatever. Um, call them what you want. He's a medicine man with the Southern Cheyenne tribe, and um, their tradition is not a cannabis tradition. It's a peyote tradition, but guess what peyote is? A plant. Oh, it's a plant. And when we say no one should go to jail for a plant, we mean it. We mean not the peyote plant, not any other plant. Not the zucchini? Not the zucchinis either. And so um, I just want to read the mission that they have and, and see that it it definitely is hand-in-hand hand with our mission in, in a lot of ways. Um, so this is what it says. This is the Light of the Blue Deer Church of the Americas vision and mission statement. Our vision we envision thriving communities which embody an integrated model of indigenous culture and traditions woven into modern times and creating a sustainable environment for all. Sounds like freedom and liberty to me, but I don't know, maybe I'm mistaken. Our mission, to restore, teach, and preserve indigenous culture, languages, traditions, and religious practices of all tribes, which include the languages and arts, 
foundation of culture and who we are, the teaching and preservation of indigenous languages, spirituality, our connection to the Great Spirit, to each other and to Mother Earth, herbal and natural healing ceremonies and modalities, freedom from use of chemicals and toxins, rites of passage, and ecological balance, supporting and sustaining Mother Earth, all people, plants, and animal life. And this is an overview. So the Light of the Blue Tier Church of the Americas overview uh, is a domestic religious corporation dedicated to the preservation and continuation of indigenous Native American cultures and practices. Um, and they include in their practices and, um, and healing methodologies, they include cannabis, medical marijuana, and CBD oil. Ceremonies of all the indigenous people of the Americas, such as the ghost dance, the rain dance, the sun dance, the sweat lodge, rites of passion, vision quest, <clears throat> herbal earth remedies to soothe and heal the body and support the mind, body, and soul health, and peyote, the Native American church. And it goes on. And in addition, the church was created to pro provide human services and programs and designed to heal and protect individuals, families, and the earth which are consistent with Native American values, beliefs, and practices. These services and programs are also integrated in with best practice models, utilizing a wellness center model. People are able to come to the center for ceremonies, trainings, workshops, and immersion into the natural living and healing environment. And the offerings include alternative energies, minimizing our footprint, anger management, domestic violence counseling, training, communication, skill building, emotional intelligence, neuro-linguistic programming, nutritional herbal healing classes, organic gardening, and positive parenting classes. And it goes on. But the reason I read that part of it is it brings up a point of neuro-linguistic programming. And if you know anything about that term, it's a reference to um, our own mental habits, our own mental ways, um, the things that cause us to do things and keep us from doing things are all inside ourselves. Our willpower, our motivation, our bad habits, our addictions, our, our anger issues, our forgiveness issues, and all of these things um, are dealt with in uh, religions of the world and they're dealt with in... Um, cultural practices, but in many cases, they're not. In many cases, we don't address them, we don't deal with them, we continue our old ways, like those, uh, that tribe I was talking about, they chose to stay the course and die early rather than um, do something about it. You know, there were so many things they could do about it, but they chose not to. How many of us have a bad habit? If you're not raising your hand right now, you're lying. We all have bad habits. We all have lots of bad habits. We all don't do the right thing probably as much as we do do the right thing. It's a human thing. It's a human nature. It's a human problem. Well, if you want to be part of a human solution, there's ways to, to dig in and, and, and make those changes. And neuro-linguistic programming has to do with making those kind of changes inside you. Um, for a lot of people, cannabis helps break through some of those barriers and boundaries. For some people, peyote helps. For some people, there's all different ways that it can happen, but the point is it's all tied together. 
together. It's all about making the world better. It's all about making us better. And it all is tied to freedom and liberty and the willing, the, the ability to express ourselves as we see fit, as long as it's not causing harm to anybody. And if how we express ourselves uh, makes the world a better place, regardless of what your point of view is and regardless of what you believe to be true or not true, I think that making the world a better place is inherently a good thing. And I think that we all can be part of that. And I think that um, this uh, medicine man, Sierra, um, he's for, I think, 30 years been walking this path, and um, he's good at it. So he's going to be actually coming to stay with us next week, and uh, he's going to be offering his services with his neurolinguistic programming consultation, and he uh, will sit with you and you can talk about uh, he'll even do it over the phone but he does a, a divination does a dowsing thing where he connects with uh, um, a, a higher power and you know in a way that is I watched him do it um, pretty on point um, he deals with your barriers inside you know we all have reasons why we do and don't do things. And a lot of times it might be seeded into a fear or a, um, an anger issue or, or not accepting or accepting or not forgiving or whatever it is that keeps us from doing things. And he helps to uh, break through some of these and, and, and helps to uh, remove obstacles from, from our pathways. Anyways, um, I, I've worked with him. I'm going to continue to work with him. And um, he's working with us, working with the Human Solution, and we're working together. And that's, as I keep talking about, <laughs> one of our goals of this year is to create alliances. Officially, we are working together with the Church of the Light of the Blue Deer. Yay! Okay? And that's part of what we're doing as an organization. And I, I love the fact that people are doing good work on their own and doing their own things. But we're doing things specifically with people and on purpose. And I believe there's more power to it when we do that. I just think that when we show ourselves as united, I think it, it, it breaks through. It, 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 it. There are a lot of people who like to see things separate and divided. There are a lot of people that like to see um, people not work together. It, it creates a place for um, people that are maybe, I don't know, not always altruistic or benevolent, gives them an opportunity to get in and, and, and integrate their own uh, agendas. And it is what it is. People are people wherever you go. So I just think that when we stand together, we stand taller and stronger, <laughs> and I think that we create our own gravity at one point. And I think when enough of us yep. stand together and say, yeah, I'm with them, we're working together, we're, this is a joint effort, um, and we say it publicly and, and proudly, I think that that's when we start to really start breaking through. So I'm encouraging that. I'll work with you if you'll work with me. What do you say? Um, anyways, we got Pete Yapo. We're going to try again. Take two, Pete Yapo. You're live on the air. Welcome. Take two, Pete Yapo. You are live on the air. Ah, come on, man. You got to be here. Uh, it's not showing anything. It doesn't show that your time isn't showing, so I don't think we're connected. I'm going to pop you back off. Try again. Hopefully this time 
He'll connect. Come on, Pete. Oh, wait, wait. We got something. Here we go. Let's try again here. Pete, you there? Ah, it keeps resetting to zero when I turn your live, your mic live. All right, we'll try back. Hopefully, I want to hear what you have to say. And I also want to know where, um, where Glenn and Piggy are. Glenn and Piggy had something they wanted to say. All right, so um, George Martirano is in bed with the flu. He's not going to be able to join us. And we've got a little more than a half an hour left of the show. Um, and I want to talk about Michael Thompson. Now, I've been working with Michael Thompson for coming up on five years now. And Michael's friend, Claudia, came to us through Tom Corby. Um, I guess it was, like I said, it was almost five years ago. And um, sent to Tom this big old stack of documents that explained the uh, his case and, and, and what all went on. And so I just want to... I want to read this. I'm going to read every word of this. It's not, there's not a lot of words, but I want to do read it. So this says, Michael A. Thompson, number 176309, Muskegon Correctional Facility, 2400 South Sheridan Drive, Muskegon, Michigan, 49442-6298. Mr. Joe Grumbine, President of the Human Solution International. My address and the date, January 1st, 2019. Dear Joe Grumbine, well, I'm going to make this short and brief. The parole board members all voted for the government, for the governor to grant me a pardon commutation. As a matter of fact, all my files and documents were forwarded to the governor's office in hope for him to base his decision 98% favorably. Unfortunately, the governor declined to sign for my release, which in itself is very strange and unusual. I've enclosed the list of 26 commutations and 35 pardons that were granted by him. 98% of them were murders. He even granted the last of the prisoners who were serving 650 grams life. That's what Craig was just talking about, the 650 gram rule. He pardoned the last of them. What's more disturbing, I'm now the only one within Michigan Michigan prison system who has been incarcerated for 28 years for a nonviolent crime, marijuana and felony firearm. It's my understanding this new governor who starts January 1, 2019, she's supposed to take a serious stand with regards to prison reform. Now, well, it's no secret that I am truly a political prisoner, of which I'm in great need of your assistance. I need a vehicle that would help me put a spotlight on this great injustice that continue to be done to me personally. Once again, I'm asking for your help. Please take this request serious in nature, respectfully, Michael A. Thompson. And he hand wrote on this, P.S., letter writing on my behalf would be a good thing for this new governor. I need for you to put this team back together, okay? And it kind of breaks my heart a little bit because when I started working with Michael Thompson, we had a different team than we have today. In fact, Michael doesn't even know most of the team we have today. And most of the people that I was working with specifically have gone on their way and they're doing different things. But I hope, and I know Didi's listening, and Didi, I love you, and um, I thank you so much for the work you've done with Michael. 
Dee Dee Kirkwood has been instrumental in keeping Michael Thompson in touch with us, and um, she has been really his his anchor as far as communication goes. I used to talk to him a lot, but I haven't been able to be so interactive with everybody. Just got so much happening, and Dee Dee has made herself available, and um, I don't know that I'd be sitting here with this letter in my hands if it wasn't for her, so I'm eternally grateful for all the work Dee Dee's done. Anyways, I'm going to read these out because he took the time to type them, and I'm going to take the time to read them. Commutations, 26. Frank Anderson, Charles Calloway, Melissa Chapman, Rafael de Jesus, Demetrius Favors, Orlando Flowers, John Gentry, Antonio Gonzalez, Phyllis Hammond, Donald Harris, John Harris, James Hicks, James Hill, Abner Hines, Michael Lee, Prudencio Loyola-Fullis, Othello Lofties, Thomas Morris, Silius Saliers, Kenneth Smith, Larry Smith, Leonard Stewart, John Topi, Patricia Trevano, I don't know. I've only been doing this show for five years, folks. No reason anybody should know when it is. Michael White, Daryl Woods. These are all the commutations given, and 98% of these were murderers. Murderers. They're people that took somebody else's life. And here's the pardons. Donald Almond, Terrellyn Agino, Todd Austin, Nicole Bessel, Kevin Boda, Susan Botone, Clinton Bauer, Cynthia Brown, Ather Buttress, Rebecca Good, Peterson, Peterson Hack, Alexander Harrington, Michael Hatchett, Marianne Henderson, Keith Hewitt, Randall Hull, Jason Ibrahim, James Jigger, Tracy Jones McDonnell, Nicholas King, Laura Kramer, Rebecca McDermott, Danielle Moore, Jennifer Moss, Dr. Lekaz, Raphael Nick, Michael Tominello, Sarah Thomas, Michael Williams, Thomas Van Pelt, Brian Sazdik, Hader, Buttress, Usama Hanama, Ala Toma, Ather Gapi, and Bashir Yusif. These are all people that have been granted clemency or pardon. These are all violent criminals and people that had a victim. And they're no longer going to be imprisoned because of what this governor did. And Michael Thompson, who did not cause harm to any person in his crime, his crime was one of selling pot. And his wife at the time had an antique firearm that didn't even work. So I'm going to be putting this together on the website, and I'm going to be asking you to please come on to the website, thsintl.org. It's going to be a um, plan of action. It's going to be an action item, and we're going to make it easy for you to participate. I'm going to ask you, please, Michael Thompson's a good guy. I've spent a lot of time on the phone with him. Um, a couple of years back, we talked almost every day for a little while and, and, and worked on plans to uh, what 
what we would do together when he got out. In 2011, so today's 2019, so it was almost eight years ago. Oh, no, it was 2012, January 2012. So it was uh, today's the 19th, so almost seven years ago now. Can't believe it's been that long. But I was sitting here about to be sentenced. And i got to tell you, folks, most of the people that are engaged with the human solution today weren't there then. I didn't know most of you then. But I was going through the hardest time of my life, and it was the human solution at that time that was responsible for me being a free man. It made all the difference in the world. And I can still remember going up to my sentencing hearing. I kissed everybody goodbye. I thought I was going to prison. And the prosecutor was trying to get 12 years. But because the people that stood by me and came to court, it was a 18-day trial, 18 days in court. Eighteen days in a case for pot. I a month when you break down weekends and all of the BS. And then I had two weeks between the time I got convicted and the time that I was to be sentenced. So imagine two weeks of knowing that you're probably going to prison for 12 years for pot. <laughs> That's what I went through. And when I went into my sentencing hearing, the judge, because of all the people that were there and supported this case and had written letters and had issued declarations about what had happened and that we had the balls to file a motion for a new trial, the judge stepped down because he knew we had him. He knew he railroaded me, and that's what had happened. So I looked back. And I look forward, and when I look back, I say we had an amazing team back then. But most of those people aren't here today. I think there's maybe a handful of people that are still part of the human solution that were back in those days. And I'm grateful for those people staying the course. But you know what? Here we are today. We've got a lot of new people that have jumped in, and they have taken up the mantle, and they've decided they're going to make a difference. And I'm just as happy about you all that are here today. So I just want to want to want to bring that to the attention here. Um, Lisa is here, and uh, she says she's got a little something she wants to say. So here we go. Our vice president, Lisa Wildridge. What's going on today? Hi guys. I got two things that I want to bring up. Um, the first one is yesterday I had an occasion to drive into North Hollywood to pick up some documents for somebody else, and as I made a turn onto a, I was in North Hollywood. I believe it's uh, Burbank. There's a place on Riverside Drive that's a cannabis dispensary. And boldly and proudly across the sign there, what caught my eye was it literally said, marijuana prohibition is over. Pull in here. Thought, really? Tell that to Craig. Tell that to the gentleman who penned the letter instead of being able to sit here and talk about it. That's the kind of stuff that we have to, that's why I'm saying it, because we need to say something about that. Um, 
The other thing is I'm really, really mad because I'm a cancer survivor. I'm a breast cancer survivor, stage three. And I use the uh, cannabis to make sure that it doesn't come back. I can do that. And a lot of times when I go into different support groups, I get hassled by people, and usually they're either the spouse of a of a prison guard or a prison guard, or they work for a pharmaceutical company. And it happens a lot. And so I go in and I defend it. And one of the pieces of BS that they keep telling me is there's no studies, there's no proof. Well, how much proof do you need? So yesterday I literally found a study done in an actual lab that literally point blank proves without a shadow of a doubt that CBD, you all know we need THC too, but that CBD literally stops cancer cells in breast and prostate and leukemia. It said that. It's a study. You want it? It's on my Facebook page. Feel free to private message me. Get a hold of me. I'll send you the study. And the study literally says that it stops it. It uses apoptosis and autophagia. And it's so freaking intelligent that it knows which one to use. If one's not working for it, it's going to turn around and use the other one. I'm a breast cancer survivor. It works. If you don't like that I use cannabis, go suck it. Because I don't care anymore. I got proof. So for anybody to deny anybody the right, the civil right to heal themselves, you're an asshole. There, I just cut. <laughs> and I don't. So that's what I'm mad. Now I'm mad. I'm really, really mad. When you've got proof that something works and you continue to act ignorant, why do you do that? Who are you? Who are these people that say that these people can't have cannabis? That this guy has to be locked up? Why are people locked up for plants and people who murder people get out? Have you ever, have you ever watched IDTV? People, they murder people. They go in and murder three, four, five of them, and in five years they get out. And yet people who use plants, where, why are we so freaking ignorant? And why is there only a handful of us? There's only a handful of us. I'm sitting in front of my computer. I know who's watching. And it's like, it's the same people. What's wrong with all of us? A dispensary with a sign that says marijuana prohibition is over? And they called it marijuana? What? Ignorance, ignorance, ignorance. They are a bunch of endocannabinoid deficient zombies because we all need cannabis. It's essential to our endocannabinoid system. It's it's crazy. It's beyond belief. I'm I'm absolutely I just can't even believe it anymore. I'm so it's so stupid it's scary that you could actually be on a planet that has people that are that ignorant that he's been doing this for this long, and people still don't get it, and we're still doing this. Craig's sitting in there. We got other people sitting in there. Why are they sitting there? Why am I sitting here talking to you? I should be out getting high somewhere so I can save my life with cannabis. It's ridiculous. So all I'm saying is open your mouth. If he can sit here and talk and I can sit here and talk, you guys need to talk. I'm really upset at people who say, oh, yeah, you tell them. You tell them, Freedom. This dog's name is Freedom. She's trying to tell you, speak up. Speak up. She's like, make some noise. Howl about it. If you see a sign that says marijuana prohibition has ended and it's not, it's not over, folks. Do something about it. You tell them, Freedom. She's trying to tell you. She's like, she's upset. 
Make it happen, you guys. You've got to tell them. And if you, if you use cannabis and you're afraid to tell other people about it, you're a chicken shit. You're a chicken shit. And I know chicken shit. Oh, they like it. Oh, they use it. But they're afraid to open their mouth about it. Oh, somebody might see me. Oh, somebody might judge me wrong. It's a plant. You know what a white willow bark is? They, it's got something to do with aspirin. They use the yew tree to make a cannabis treatment with. They use mouse hormone proteins to make Herceptin, which saves lives from breast cancer. So if you can use mouse stuff, why can't you use plants? And what's wrong with being high? What's wrong with it? Bunch of drunk assholes running around killing people. That's okay, but it's not okay to be high. If you don't know what high is, go become high and find out there's nothing wrong with it. Because nobody ever has ever, ever died of it, ever. And people die all the time from freaking alcohol. They die all the time. They die from eating sugar. That's right. So there you go. There you go. I'm just telling you, I have studied so much stuff. I've listened to so many medical lectures, hundreds of hours by real doctors. I'm telling you, if you don't know what you're talking about, go learn and then open your mouth and start telling other people because that's the problem. You're all sitting there not saying anything. You must speak. You must let them know. There's a reason that this ribbon is here. I ain't taking my ribbon off. I got a sleeve on. What's that for? I use cannabis to stay alive. That's what it's all about. Open your mouth and be free and feel free to talk to somebody about it and share it with them. And I'm a joint. There ain't nothing wrong with being high. Okay, I'm done for now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. I'm, like, really fired up. Well, That marijuana prohibition sign pissed me off. At the end of the day, you know, Taking the being fired up and actually taking and doing something with it. That's where it starts getting important. So I'm, I'm encouraging everybody to be fired up, of course, but I'm also encouraging you to take that take that anger and, and focus it, cause it to to fuel you to put your put your thoughts together and come up with some real answers. You know, what can we actually do? That's what we need. And so let's 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 be fired up. I'm fired up constantly. I want to. Um, we're gonna try Pete again. I guess he's he's been uh, dealing with some some things. Um, and I thought Tom Corby came on. I hope he comes back. Uh, I want to hear what's going on with Donna. And I got Glenn Keeling on the line, so we're still good. Sierra's supposed to be calling in any minute, so we'll see what uh, what happens with that. Hopefully he's uh, punctual as well. Um, but I do want to bring this other topic up. This is another, you know, another reason I hate the whole Facebook thing. But um, there was a post that came up, and they were talking about, uh, you know, we need these regulations because people are are uh, making cannabis products that look like candy cereals. <coughs> and people were, you know, spouting off about that. And, of course, there's this one. Yahoo, who keeps spouting off, and he, he he won't come on the show, but he has plenty to say, you know, on Facebook. But I thought about that, and, you know, I, I went off on it a little bit. I, I, I usually don't engage these things, but this one just kind of struck a nerve with me, and I thought to myself, you know, we're such hypocrites. We We say, always, we say, what about the children? You know, what are we going to do 
making these pot products look like candy. It makes it enticing for children. Now, do I think that's a good idea? No, I'm not saying I do. But I want to say, let's, let's be real about this. So I had a friend who uh, I'm working with or looking to work together on a project, and he came to me and he said, hey, Joe, you got those blood pressure uh, capsules ready yet? And I said, yeah, yeah, I got those. Um, I, thought, I thought you would have had them. And he said, well, I just got word that my blood pressure medication was recalled. And it turned out that one of the machines that they were using to make this pharmaceutical prescription drug um, had gotten fouled in some way, and it was causing all of the capsules that it made to be toxic, poisonous, and potentially lethal. And I thought to myself, this is the most regulated industry that there is, the pharmaceutical drug industry. You have to go through FDA trials. You have to go spend billions of dollars sometimes getting a drug to come forward into the market. And you have to have a license to make it, a license to distribute it, a license to sell it, a license to prescribe it, a license to have it. Everything is as regulated as could be. These are drugs that cost thousands of dollars sometimes. Insurance companies have to be involved or nobody can afford them. This is the epitome of regulation, right? And yet, in that arena, because of some mechanical mishap, they're dealing with thousands, maybe tens of thousands, maybe millions of people that are facing a potentially deadly version of their medicine, which was prescribed by their doctor. And it's possible somebody will die from this. Maybe a bunch of people will die. I don't know how they discovered it, but at one point they did. And then I thought about this whole, what about the children? Oh, my God, the kids are going to want to eat this stuff, and they're going to get high. I came back with a retort about liberty and, you know, the relative safety of this. And this person, who I think is a good person, I respect her work, and and we've worked together, and she's been on the show, and, you know, I, I, I like her. I, I, one day I'd like to meet her, but she comes back with this, defense of all this, and she says, what, is it okay if we're making candy-flavored vapes with these milligrams and all, like, like these high-dose THC things? Is it is that okay? And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell are we having this discussion about? Because in the name of regulation and, and, and prohibition and protecting these children, What's actually happening is children that need this plant are not able to get it because they're afraid of risking jail. They're afraid of risking being taken from their parents, or parents are afraid of being risking having their children taken from them. So they will not give them the medication that can help them. And I said, what if the worst case scenario? You know, that's one of the examples of, of, of making good decisions. You take it to 
what's the worst thing could happen, right? And the worst thing could happen to anybody would be, well, it could kill me, right? Well, no, it can't. So the worst case scenario, and I and I came back with this, and I I, I welcome anybody that to, to to come back and defend this because now I don't know if you've been listening yet for the for the last five years I've been welcoming somebody to come in and tell me how I'm wrong and why I'm wrong and and hammer my ass. And nobody's doing it. I don't think that it's not that nobody could do it. I'm just thinking nobody's willing to do it. Nobody's doing it. And I don't know why. Maybe I'm not being effective enough. Maybe I'm not reaching enough people. But surely somebody has an answer to this. And I'm going to tell you what my answer is. The worst case scenario is a bunch of kids get high inadvertently. And they get a little sick. They go to the hospital. They feel dizzy, disoriented panic attack, whatever, the worst could happen, but they can't die from it. And the worst thing that happens is the parents come back and they sue the shit out of the company for having a product that got their kids sick. That's the worst that could happen. Well, so what? If it's really a harm that can't kill you, then let it take its course. And let some couple of kids get sick and let a couple of parents sue the company and own that and take it out. Trust me, if a couple of companies get sued because their advertising caused a couple of kids to get sick, they'll stop doing it. That's just how it works, folks. But we won't allow the market to just work itself out. Now, I understand in the past there have been, and there still are, rules and regulations because of truly deadly practices. We have safe food laws because, well, frankly, people suck. And people are more than willing to put poison in food because it's cheap and they can make a lot of money at it. And frankly, guess what? If you kill somebody or if you put something that's actually really harmful in a product and don't disclose that, well, guess what? Yeah, that's a crime. But guess what it has? So I don't know. Maybe it would be nice if, if we would have um, a little accountability for our own actions. Yep. Maybe if parents would start raising your damn kids. Yep. Maybe stop blaming everybody else for your problem. You know. I don't know. Maybe a little personal responsibility could go a long way. Every time I hear about we need to be regulated, I look at the government, I look at the criminal code, I look at the health and safety code, and I say to myself, if it didn't exist, there's a few examples where some really bad people would have a little bit more latitude, and I'd have to be careful. Other than that, you know, I understand basic traffic laws because if nobody knows which way to go, people will crash. All right, there's some basic things that actually make sense. But in the most regulated markets in the world, there are poisons getting through, there are all kinds of horrors happening, and regulations isn't the answer. It doesn't solve it. So let's maybe maybe think about liberty and freedom and cause and effect and, and personal accountability just for a second when we are advocating for or against something and maybe think that left to our own devices, generally speaking, we don't go around hurting people. And maybe if our criminal code had more directly to do with causing harm to somebody having a serious penalty, I got no problem with that. 
I am not saying we shouldn't have prisons. I'm not saying we shouldn't have a corporal punishment. I'm saying it shouldn't be applied where there isn't a victim. And that's what I'm getting down to. All right. We're running light on time. We're going to end up probably doing a little overtime, which i got to be mindful of because i got people lined up um, as we're going to start our meeting. So i got Sierra, i got Frank Canan, i got Glenn Keeling and Pete Yapel. We're going to do a very abbreviated um, little talk here, and we'll, we'll start with Sierra. So I gave a preface about Sierra. He is the Southern Cheyenne medicine man that um, has been out here. Um, we've done the peyote ceremony, and, and I'm learning about the Southern Cheyenne Way and working uh, some medicine together. And, uh, Sierra, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good, good. Uh, yeah, a little bit snowy up here in Montana and cold, but I got up in Mexico. I ran some ceremonies down there for a month and a half, so I got a little bit of sun there for a while. But <laughs> still, Montana's beautiful. So, Joe, well, do you fantastic. want to ask questions or, or just have me give them an introduction? Yeah. yeah, we don't have a lot of time, but I did um, go through and I read the um, the paper that, that Sergio had sent me. So we did talk about the mission of the Light of the Blue Deer Church of the Americas, and we did talk about, um, you know, some of the, the elements where the human solution and, and you know, the medicine way – um, of the cannabis people and and of some of the indigenous people and the practices and the healing and you know about liberty and 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 freedom and 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 you know stewardship you know taking care of the earth and taking care of the people that need it education and support is what the human solution is all about and so we talked about um, um, joining together and working with other groups as we're a 501c3 uh, civil rights organization and you're a, a nonprofit church, uh, it seems like it's a perfect, um, you know, harmony to work together. And I also I talked so. about a little bit about neuro-linguistic programming, and that's where I wanted to get with, with you. Um, and so, um, you know, you're trained in the art of NLP, and um, you're going to be down here for um, a week or two weeks or even longer um, and you're going to be, uh, you know, doing some consultations and some treatments. And so why don't you, you know, tell us a little bit about what that involves and, um, you know, if somebody's interested in, uh, uh, you know, maybe fixing a glitch in their in their own lifestyle, uh, a bad habit, a fear, uh, a, a, a health issue. There's so many things that our own brains um, can fix. And, you have some of the keys to that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? All righty. Well, um, neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP for short, is is the art and science of human excellence. And uh, the, the presupposition of NLP is, number one, nobody's broken, nobody needs to be fixed. All we need to have is the right resources and the right time and place to get the outcome that we're, we're seeking for. Uh, and anyone can learn to do anything anybody else can if you chunk it down into small, bite-sized pieces. And uh, uh, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a <laughs> time. But Absolutely. if you take that one bite out of the elephant, it's not the same elephant anymore. 
So often we look at, at, at situations in life as a, being a big elephant. We get overwhelmed by it. But uh, uh, I am a master practitioner. I've been practicing for uh, 30 years, and uh, I've gone out to uh, the Northern Cheyenne tribe and uh, have taught classes there. And uh, in the future, I'm working on doing some certification trainings uh, in Mexico and then also up here. I was up at Hartwood Institute in Garberville. I was uh, asked to do a training up there. But uh, it is really being a guide to guide somebody through their own system. We're, We're all in our own forest. We can't see the trees. So it takes somebody outside of our system to guide us through our system to find the treasures. And uh, uh, I've worked with, with uh, even over the phone, with uh, people with allergies. They've been suffering for 20 years or more. And uh, in 45 minutes, an hour session, they, they got no allergies anymore. Migraine headaches, uh, one of the presuppositions of NLP, which I find to be true, is that any sickness, cancer, cold, flus, uh, tumors, allergies, cation from the subconscious mind about needed change. And once that communication is uh, met, the change happens. All parts of the subconscious mind are there to help us, but they need direction from consciousness. So on the outside, we're all different, male, female, different races, different ages. On the inside, we're all the same. In that we all have three things. We've got a judge, a jury, and the victim. And we're judged by our beliefs and values that we've been brainwashed with since the time we came into this world. Nobody can beat us up like we can beat ourselves up. We know how to do it better than anybody else. Along with NLP, what I do is I'm a, I'm a master dowser of 30 years, too. And that's on a, a spiritual level to clean a person's uh, aura, any beneficial spirits or entities or misalignments, and uh, uh, that helps coming from parallel worlds. And uh, it's something more to be experienced. I I do a lot of my work long distance. I help people and tribes all over the this country and Canada and Mexico from my little cabin here in Montana. So spirit knows no boundaries. But um, I mean, I can. I don't know how much time I have, Joe. I could go. You know, I could go more well, in depth. You know. We're running low on time on this show. We're actually going to be going into overtime right now. But well, um, what I, short, I think everybody, I think that's the gist of it. So I guess the question is, um, you're going to be out here next week, and um, you're going to be available to do these sessions, and um, right. you're going to be joining me on next week's show live. So people will be able to, uh, you know. Uh, maybe ask questions, or or you'll be able to at least be be here in person. We got another uh, 
I'm actually going to have a really full show next week. I've got a doctor and his wife that are also going to be here from San Diego, and uh, we're going to be talking a lot about medicine. He's an acupuncturist and a Chinese herbalist, so we're going to be um, having a real medicinal uh, conversation about that, and, of course, I'll always toss in the, the liberty and free will part of it all. So um, I, I think that, um, you know, if somebody wants to schedule a session with you, um, how would they reach you? Well, through my cell phone, uh, which is 406 area code 210-0770. Perfect. 406-210-0770. And uh, if for whatever reason, um, you know, somebody is thinking about doing this and they can't find that, just get a hold of me. Um, I'm easy to reach, and I will um, uh, coordinate this. And uh, Sierra is going to be in the uh, Long Beach area for a few days, and then he's going to be out my way in the Lake Elsinore area, and then he's going to be possibly back in the Long Beach area um, before he goes back up to Montana. So um, this is an amazing uh, service. If you've never done it, it's um, I don't know. In, in some ways, along the along the venue of hypnotism, but it's it's more than that for sure. And it's like he said, it's, he, he can help guide you to uh, you know see where your own roadblocks are. And um, you know sometimes you know professional athletes they don't coach themselves. They always have somebody on the outside uh, looking at how they're shooting and throwing and batting and all those things and. A lot of times it's good, uh, it's always good to have somebody to bounce off um, your, your, your thoughts, fears, problems, and ideas, and a lot of times uh, they can help to guide you uh, down a better path. So anyways, uh, Sierra will be uh, with us uh, the latter part of next week, and he'll be joining me on the show next week. Well, thank you very much for the introduction and everyone who's listening. I hope I get to meet some of you sometime, somehow, some way. Have a good evening. I have, I have a good feeling that you will. All right, Sarah, thank you so much, and we'll see you in a few days. All right. All right. Adios. All right, take care. Um, so we're running overtime right now. We're going to do a couple of real quick ones here. we got Pete Yapel, Glenn Keeling, and Frank Canan. So we're just going to do a lightning round here. Pete Yapel, this is uh, the third try. Hopefully it's the, it's the one that counts. Pete Yapel, going once, going twice. All right, we tried three times. We'll try again next time. All right, we got Glenn Keeley. Let's see what Glenn's got to say. Glenn Keeley, welcome to the show. We're in overtime. We got to accelerate it, but tell us what's going on. Good evening. Thank you, Joe, for having me on. Um, well, this year we uh, something the Ohio chapter is getting ready to do, and it's really exciting for us as, as uh, we're – getting ready to enter into the Ohio um, Cannabis and Hemp Chamber of Commerce here um, in the state. We and all the stuff that we needed to enter that. We'll hopefully by the end of the week we'll have everything else um, for that. So, yeah, exciting. We're going to enter into this state uh, Chamber of Commerce, our chapter is. Um, another thing is, is our brief and timeline has been moved up, so it's not until next week. We've got a few more days to 
contact the prosecutor and the judge and let them know that this is not right, you know. Um, people that's been following and hearing know what's going on in the story. But listen, if you guys want to know more and you want to contact us or if you're having trouble or issues, please, please, please reach out. My name is Glenn Keeling. My wife is Peggy Keeling. We run the Creative Care Beacon, the Ohio chapter of the Human Solution International. And if that's not good enough for you guys, please pick up the phone and give me a call at 419-863-0498. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you so much, Glenn. And, uh, again, we don't have a whole lot of time today, but there's, you guys are doing some great work. And uh, I look forward to uh, hearing about this Chamber of Commerce and all the good coming of it. Remember, this year, folks, we are working on alliances. We tried a couple of uh, coalitions. Uh, apparently, that's just not the way to go. So alliances are the key of 2019. If you ha are an individual that wants to ally yourself with the Human Solution, if you're in a group, if you know of a group, you want to work together on a project, let's do it together, folks. Let's work together to end prohibition. We can do this. Thank you so much, Glenn. We will talk tomorrow. All right, Frank Canan, you are up last. Hopefully Tom Corby's with you. Welcome to the show. Frank, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right, I guess, Joe. It's another day at the office. <laughs> uh, no, Tom is not. Uh, Donna, she is doing much better. Um, actually, her recovery seems to be a lot quicker than doctors or us thought um she got uh <clears throat> released from the hospital today into an outpatient care treatment center for rehabilitation okay. which is great um that basically means that her speech is better um she's starting to get some movement back in her leg and uh her arm <clears throat> and fingers her eyes are are completely open now um she's coherent okay. she's speaking she's speaking well um, she still got, you know, a little slump onto the left side of her face, but she's able to drink on her own and use her phone. Oh, good, um, good, good. And, uh, so, which is all good and great news. And, uh, so yeah, we're just all the prayers and everything. We just thank everybody for all the prayers and but good vibes and everything. And, uh, things seem to be going well with all of that. So, um, text me her number. I know I've, I've always had Tom's number, but I don't. I don't know that I've had her number. So I, I okay, I'll make sure you get that, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, I, I know that uh, you've been doing a, a tremendous job uh, helping hold together the, the, the NorCal chapter, and uh, you, you guys have been – you've been great in, 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 you know, helping the Corby family and just being there. And uh, so hopefully we can uh, rise up out of this and get everybody – Get everybody back into fighting shape. That's right. That's what we're working on. And I also have a question. Like Lisa really got me on this. Like these doctors and people are so ignorant about the endocannabinoid system, and we're kind of having issues with them about administering cannabis with Donna. And I want to know if anybody knows the legal legalities of what leg we might have to stand on for doing this. So just throwing that out there. Well, it's been my experience. The problem that you're always going to have is a doctor is prescribing under federal regulations, and their concern or their whatever, their their uh, unwillingness to open their mind to this 
is usually based on their fear of, of uh, attack on their license. Um, the best answer is just do it and don't tell them about it. Um, you know, I, I, I wish we could well, get past well, of that. Course. But, of course, that you know, that would be the, that would be the right way to do it, but we're trying right, to go about right. it the, both ways. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. you know, what I found is um, very seldom do you have luck arguing somebody into submission or trying to get somebody to see things a different way than they're willing to. In order for somebody to listen, they have to take you seriously. They have to uh, respect your opinion. And I think that that's really kind of the hardest part is to get them to look at you and say, I care about what you have to say. And, I, you know, it's, it's, it's an individual problem with each individual person. But, you know, you can, you know, look at, look at Facebook. It's a perfect example. You can have people arguing themselves into oblivion, and nobody ever gives the other one, uh, oh, well, I guess you're probably right. No, it only happens when you're willing to, um, you know, respect that person for their opinion. And doctors, unfortunately, you know, my dad was a, was a surgeon. I know a lot of doctors, and unfortunately, um, they're one of the hardest. Doctors and lawyers both. Unfortunately, I've had to deal with both of a lot of them. Um, they're often the hardest people to reach because they feel them superior and they're educated and they're just in a different league than most people. And yeah, so, they went to school uh, for 10 years. They went to school for 10 years and they got this doctorate that says that they know what the fuck they're talking about, which they don't. And I have I actually an appointment with, with the head of administration tomorrow at 1030 in the morning to address this type of situation that we're talking about. Well, you know what? If there's anything I can do, um, if you need to get me on the phone while you're talking to them, I would gladly address anything. Just give me a five-minute heads-up so you're walking in, and I'll, I'll make myself available. Um, if there's any technical question or, or possibly something I, I, I have access to that, that you don't have at your fingertips, um, you know, that's part of what this is all about is supporting each other and and um, you know, uh, bringing a whole team to bear rather than just uh, you know ho hoping that you're going to be able to take it on by yourself. All right. Well, I appreciate that, Joe, because I'm willing to do it. <laughs> Shit, but this is hard one. So, but thank you. I'm just if you get a if you get a situation where somebody says, you know, you know what, if you could just show me this. I would be willing to listen to you, and you don't have that answer at your tip of your finger. Uh, you know, I'm just saying, I'm 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 there to I'm there to to back you up. All right, and I also heard what Lisa said that, that she has that on her page about how the endocannabinoid system, how cannabis CBD alone can help with cancer and other yeah. things. I mean, right. so like documents and stuff like that that's going to help us prove our case and our point. And so and, and anything like that. Just recently, and she very specifically has used CBD in high doses, and it has very specifically brought her right back out of it in a very specific way. And and every three hours, CBD oil, high dose CBD oil around the clock, and she literally, they, they said they had no evidence that she'd even had a stroke at one point. And and when she stopped taking it at one point, she started slipping away. Yeah, exactly. 
And so whatever it's doing, it's, it's specifically with a stroke. That CBD oil has been paramount for her healing process, and it's literally brought her from a total palsy, can't speak, can't function, to I'm She's here, good. everything's She's good. good. Okay. Yeah. She's good. So, I mean, and, and I know... I know that she would be willing to uh, to talk to a doctor or anybody um, about that specific, about her own specific uh, case with this. So, you know, all we can right. do is go by what we know and, and share that with people. So, Frank, just yeah. know that and we're I here to help. Go ahead, go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I just said just know that, you know, part of being in part of this team is that we – we have a lot of experience, and, and, and Nikki just said she's there for you. So, you know, that's part of what this is all about is we've got a lot of people that have gone through um, a, a lot of issues, and we've got uh, a Candy Sandroni, too, willing to do the same. These are people that have specifically dealt with major life-threatening ailments, and cannabis has specifically, specifically helped them in a specific way that they can talk about. So, uh, and, and, you know, again, they can't ever – come back and say that there's some harm that can come of this. They can't say that you might die because it's not true. So right. hopefully the relative safety of this and the anecdotal experience we have um, can at least open their mind. Okay. I appreciate that, and you're very right. All right. Well, Frank, we're running uh, 10 minutes late, and – um, I'm supposed to be uh, doing running our human solution meeting right now, so I got a, a whole living room full of people that are chomping at the bit to get going. So I gotta wrap this show up and um, just uh, you know give Donna a big old kiss and a hug for me, and um, text me over her number and I'll give her a call tomorrow. All right, I will do, do Joe, and thank you, and thank everybody, Lisa, Nikki, everybody who's there, Liz. I love you all, you guys, and thank you for everything. Good night. All right, Frank, thank you very much. All right, everybody, uh, we ran a little bit late. I've got a, a, an angry mob waiting to get uh, ended some prohibition. And uh, before we go, I think Willie Nelson's got this. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done. You were always on my